Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. Today is our special pre-Thanksgiving episode, and we have a special guest back with us, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Yep, very excited to have her back. And today, uh, at the end, we are going to do a little debate again. Amy and I are going to debate white meat versus dark meat. In terms of chicken and or turkey, you know, white meat has a reputation for being the healthiest part of the chicken or turkey. Skinless chicken breast is the most popular and expensive cut of chicken you can buy, but when it comes to carve up the whole roasted bird, everyone wants to fight over those juicy thighs. So what's the difference between white and dark meat, really? And we'll find out later today. We are very happy to welcome back Mary Angela Miller. She was with us a couple of episodes ago, and I think it was one of our most popular. So we're very excited to have her back. Just a little bit of background on Mary Angela, if you didn't listen to the previous episode, and why didn't you? (laughs) Stop what you're doing now and go back and listen to her first episode. Mary Angela has 35 years as a registered dietitian. 15 of those were as the Director of Nutrition Services at Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. She served millions of meals to our most vulnerable people, severely ill patients, and she did it all safely. She's a small business entrepreneur and owner of Keep Safe Food, LLC, dedicated to consumer and personal food safety. And as she said to us today, she went from being a food service director to being a food safety dietitian. So welcome back, Mary Angela. Thank you, Amy. (laughs) Thank you, Lloyd. Sure, yeah. Timing worked out well on this. It seemed like we were like, okay, we're getting into the holiday season. We'd love to have you back to talk about food safety over the holidays. And we reached out, and you are all on board, and we so appreciate that. <laughs> I was actually working on that topic because I think at this time of year, you get more questions almost than any other time. Yeah. So. It's yeah. the one day of the year where we're all going to be in our kitchen. And we're all responsible maybe for feeding more people than we're used to feeding. Right, yeah. right. There's think, a lot of moving parts. Right. If you think about, I guess we mentioned that in the previous time you were with us, maybe you're feeding three or four people at a time most of the time. But you might have a situation where you have 20 or 30 or maybe more people in your kitchen, in your house, and... You don't want to send anyone home with foodborne illness. So no. that was the reason that we brought right. you back today to give us that advice. And, you know, I actually was, when I was thinking about this, I know what I think about, right? Because I was a food service director. But I wanted to know what other people thought about. So I went out and I asked some of our friends, some of uh-huh. you know, some of our friends that are dietitians. And then certainly a number of people weren't that weren't dietitians that weren't, say, in the industry and I said, what, what would you do if the health department inspector showed up at your house oh, on Thanksgiving right. Day? <laughs> I don't know if I like uh, that question. No, I don't know that I would And it was interesting what the people came up with. I said, what wouldn't you want them to notice? Mm-hmm. Um, is there someone that you wouldn't want them to sit by? Is there a place you wouldn't want them to look? Or maybe something you wouldn't want them to eat? And their answers came back way different than the way that I would have looked at it. So it was a really, really interesting perspective. So then what I did, because I've been on the receiving end of this as a food, you know, as a food service director Mm -hmm. so many times, 
I went out and interviewed two health inspectors oh. to say, what do you think of these practices? And one is Bob Kramer, who was a former supervisor of food safety for the Columbus Public Health Department. So it was actually some of Bob's staff back in the day that used to come and inspect me at Ohio <laughs> State. And the other was Gina Nicholson Kramer. And Gina's also a food safety expert, but she works more on the manufacturing and the production side. So I just had this wealth of knowledge in the room to run some of these questions that an everyday person in their kitchen has. And I learned a lot that day as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's think about what those situations would be, I guess. What would an inspector care the most about? Well, when I I first asked, I said, what wouldn't you want them to notice? (laughs) And this is something I had never heard of because I don't have these in my home. A friend of mine mentioned that her mother-in-law, and that's where they have Thanksgiving dinner, has this air freshener spray mist in her kitchen. Oh, And she's worried about this mist that is spritzing all over perhaps the food as you're making it or as you're serving it. And she said her mother-in-law says it's okay because it's just mist. (laughs) It's just in the air. It's just mist. So, so I went online and I uh, looked up what's in mist. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so here's here's what's in a very popular brand of that. Okay. Isobutane. Uh huh. Propane. The fragrance, which of <laughs> course sense. is why we do it. Uh huh. Um, we went use that. Isoalkanes. I'm not even sure if I could remember what those are from chemistry class. No. <laughs> and acetone. Okay. <laughs> so. so I don't know about you, but I know I'd pass on this recipe, and the inspector said, definitely, you do not want, that's chemical contamination of your food. So that, they said, if we were talking about pass or probation, you might go on probation if you were spraying those chemicals around your kitchen while you were preparing to. Well, I know, I don't, I mean, if you ever tasted your perfume or something by mistake it tastes awful too yes, i don't think right. it would be and i mean even though it's in the air it would settle down on the food so i don't think it so it is definitely a potential contaminant yeah yeah so that's um that was interesting definitely something they wouldn't want them to notice yeah right. okay all right i remember when i went around during my dietetic internship with the sanitarian and that uh-huh. was a big thing when we would look in yeah. these kitchens of what chemicals were just right. sort of out either at sink side or near food. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't don't consider. Right. And when it's your kitchen, you know what it is. Right. right? You, you yeah. might know that, that this particular spray bottle holds this. But a friend of ours that's a dietitian likes to make her own solution to clean things. Uh-huh. But it's in an unlabeled spray bottle. Right. So how does somebody who might be over your at mm-hmm. your home Thanksgiving dinner maybe helping you red up the kitchen yeah. know what's in that bottle? So it. so <laughs> again another concern that they had is make sure you label it if uh-huh. it's going to be something that's going to be out and about and other people have access to. So okay. definitely another one that in a kitchen you would have to be worried about and not just in a commercial kitchen. Right. In your home kitchen as well. Yeah. And who of us remembers? Right? So right. you might you might know what's right. in there today, but if you put it. it in your cupboard, oh, yeah. yeah, you might not remember three weeks from now right. what's oh, in yeah, that box. Right. Yeah, I always label mine. I, I do mix up a few things that I use for cleaning, and I try to label it. Right. 
because well, I will forget. Right. Well, and then I guess the other thing is there's so many things, even cleaning, cleaning like a supplies. I think about like the Comet powder that looks like a yeah. powder, and there's so many other powders and things in your food that I mean, I just think mm. I don't know. I feel like that's even risky. Yeah, it's it's really risky, Amy. Um, and again, this is a home kitchen, but think of all the chemicals and cleaning yeah. supplies you have. I know we did an exercise once one night, because I teach food safety, I taught it and I still do, that there can be over 30 different kinds of white powders in mm-hmm. your kitchen. Everything from your flour and your sugar to your okay. cleanser and your dish detergent. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you want to be very careful, especially if you put things in large bulk containers or perhaps you even buy them that way, right. that you make sure that those are labeled, not just for your own sake, but for anybody else who might be in your kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, a, that's a really good point. All right. So let's think about about where you might not want them to look. <laughs> I know where I don't want people to look in my kitchen. Oh, let's hear yeah, that. Where would you not want them to look in your kitchen? I really believe my refrigerator yep. is probably That's worse. what I was going to say. Um, it's, and it's, it, I try to be in the good habit of I wiping know. things out and yep. to pulling out all of the drawers and washing all of everything. But, know. you know, you get busy oh, yeah. or something spills in your refrigerator and you do a semi-adequate job of cleaning it up, but maybe right. not... Yep. As much as you should. Mm-hmm. And I really think my refrigerator is probably where I would not want people to look. Me too. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Same reason? Spills or? Same reason. It's just I can't keep up on keeping it clean. I feel like the shelves get dirty and you know what I mean? And I mean, I feel like I could clean my fridge once a week and I still might, might not be able to oh, keep up on it. Well, yeah, I will see. And I'm really bad about it. So I don't even... I, right. I don't do it that often. At I mean, all. I, I mean, I could, and I still be able to. Yeah, I don't clean it that often. I don't but clean I could. it. <laughs> That's the <good>. problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, again, you probably have to prioritize, right? So, right. like on the shelf of my or on the door of my refrigerator, those are most of the condiments, and right. they're yeah. sealed and they're in containers, right. and so those are probably okay. And I don't pay as attention to, as much to those. I would I would be most careful with your produce drawers. Right, oh, because that yeah. that is where you might put in. Some, sometimes you buy things wrapped, but not all the time. Right, or yeah. like me, um, I just really finished my last summer tomatoes. Right, so those were growing yeah. outside, and those were in the produce store because mm-hmm. I was trying to keep them as long as possible. So those are the ones where I think cross contamination can occur because it's hard to wash vegetables as thoroughly as you should. Yeah, if you're worried about your kitchen, I would say, or in your in your refrigerator in your kitchen. The one part of the refrigerator I'd pay most attention to, or about, about food safety perspective anyways, are the produce drawers. That would just be my thought. I guess that makes thought. sense because you're going to eat those raw. Right. Okay, so you're going to eat those potentially. raw. Potentially. Well, and you think about like strawberries shouldn't be washed till you're ready to eat them. Exactly. So they're sitting in there with visible dirt on them possibly. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So. And, and the container that could you know, bleach those out. Okay. Absolutely. So that makes me feel better. It's easier to keep up on those drawers. And now I know what I'm doing this afternoon. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> no more people come over and clean my refrigerator. Exactly. <laughs> well, we, um, uh, the comment that I got back was, I wouldn't want the inspector to look behind my appliances because I don't think I've moved them since I've moved into the yeah. house. So I'd hate to see what's hiding back there. Yeah. Um, so when I asked Bob and Gina that question, they said, yes, we would look behind there if we were doing an official inspection. But from a food safety risk for Thanksgiving dinner, it's probably not your okay. highest risk. Your risk there is more long term because it's uh-huh. going to attract insects 
Okay. Okay, maybe, mm-hmm. or other type of vermin, depending on how many and where they are. But from a from getting sick that day from something you made, the crumbs behind yeah. the appliances are probably not the mm. worst thing that you have to worry about. Interesting. So yeah. that, was, that was not one that, that was reassuring to the person who brought that up. Yeah. That <laughs> they don't have to go back and clean that right away be, before um, the inspector came on Thanksgiving Day. You had mentioned that you had one friend who wouldn't want them to look in their garage. And I think about this because I know people who use that garage space, especially if it's cold enough or a porch or a deck, to store food. I use my screen porch. And I get real squeaky about that. I don't know why I feel like that, but I do. Do you know that every single person that I asked that question that had a garage Mentioned the garage. Interesting. Really? Yes, yes. Wow. Because they said, if, what if they opened the door to the garage and saw all the food that I had stored out there that didn't fit in my refrigerator? Uh-huh. So, so there's, of course, the obvious question is, what is the temperature yes. of the garage? Right. Okay, if you're using your garage as refrigerated space, the refrigerated temperature is 41 degrees. Right. So your garage... And your garage, depending on where you live and right. depending on the weather of the day, could be safe from a temperature perspective. But that's just the first thing. Yeah. Okay? yeah. And, you know, we talked a little bit when we did the tailgate food safety about knowing the temperature of the foods you take on the road. Mm-hmm. You can use that little cooler thermometer in your in garage. garage. Because Very your garage might not be reflective <laughs> of the outdoor temperature. You might have a heated garage. You might have a garage that, you know, is closer to the house, so it's warmer than the outside temperature. Right. So don't just trust the weather report to know what yeah. the temperature is in your garage. Use a little thermometer. And I'm still giving away free ones with, with, with any order. But then the second point is making sure that nothing else can get in those Yes. Foods. So if the garage is cold, cold enough, and you might be storing a dessert out there or whatever. Yeah. Just make sure it's like you when you refrigerate, right. cover it. Make sure that nothing could yeah. get in it. Yeah. Uh, because if you're opening the garage door up and down, there's an opportunity um, yeah. for things to get in your garage that you wouldn't want to get in your food. So, yeah, the garage one was a big one. And yeah. apparently we all do it. Huh. We so, all do see, it. Well, I'm glad I have a screen porch because I don't have to do it. Because I have a nice table out there. I keep it clean. And, yeah, I keep everything covered. Try not to put refrigerated stuff in there unless I know it's right. going to be. And I don't like that because temperatures vary so much from at night up to, you know, I'll get things that will freeze and then thaw and freeze and thaw. Right. You know, that's a good point because it could be cold enough at one part of the day, but not cold enough if it yeah. warms up or is in the sun. Right. Yeah, they really recommend it if you don't have refrigerator space, take a big cooler, fill it with ice, yep. and mm-hmm. store your yeah. extra food in there. And then you can keep it in the garage if you want, but it's covered, it's cold, right. yeah. and you don't have to worry about is it safe to serve to your guests when you come. I probably would not use it. I've known people who will use it to cool food. You know, if it's um, been, I, I still feel yeah. like the refrigerator does best in those shallow pans mm-hmm. than to put, like, the rest of your hot turkey outside Right. And that's like garage space or screened in porch space mm-hmm. to cool. I just feel like even if it's 37 degrees out there, I still feel kind of like maybe that's better in the fridge yeah. or in a cooler than yep. out in that garage space. Mm-hmm. But I think about, especially if you're using like a deck or something, just the insects in the right. environment, you're just make, taking a huge risk in my opinion. So, yes. Yeah. I, but I think, yeah, I mean, from a temperature perspective, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we keep beverages out in our garage yeah. and sometimes they can freeze, right? you know, which is uh, not a good thing. But, hot. yeah, they can, they can absolutely freeze. Yep. Yeah. Any other 
finds that you had from friends who well were... <laughs> we talk a lot about hand washing okay yeah. so obviously yes. you can't get enough hand washing done yes. on thanksgiving yeah but it's all the other personal hygiene practices as well Right. right. So um, people said, what would they say if they notice I'm cooking in my bare feet? Uh, and, you know, I brought a health department inspection checklist along. It's kind of used as a training tool if you're a new food service director and you're trying to get ready for an inspection, right? And it says you should be closed-toed shoes. Right, um, right, right. A lot of that is to keep the worker safe, right? Yeah. Um, but, again, it it's... Not necessarily, it wouldn't pass maybe inspection in a commercial kitchen, but at home, not a huge food safety risk. Okay. All right. Um, same with jewelry. Uh-huh. Um, the problem with jewelry is it can help, it can lead to an accident if jewelry gets caught on something. Yeah. Or it can fall off. Like your ring right. could become loose after you um, wash your hands, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you have physical contamination, it's called, because it could show up in the pie or whatever. So mm-hmm. that came up. Another one, another one was, what about the open beer <laughs> that's sitting on the counter while I cook? <laughs> and again, okay. in a food yeah. service establishment, you can have a beverage with the lid, with a straw. Okay. It has to make sure you, in, in a mass production, it has to be obvious that it's not something that would go on a plate that you're going to serve to a patron. Uh-huh. But what Bob said was, well, what kind of beer? You better offer me one right. if I'm showing up at your house on Thanksgiving dinner. So not a high risk as long as you're you're uh, drinking it appropriately and yeah. not mm-hmm. serving uh, your, the drink that you've already drank out of to a guest. I've never worried about that. The <laughs> um, one other thing that came up with hand washing, though, was, and I know in my kitchen we have the, if I'm looking at a recipe, I'll have my iPad right there. Mm-hmm. But you also might be watching TV. Okay, or listening to music and changing the channel. Mm-hmm. So that remote or the volume, you know, yeah. and that can get both of those. The screens and the remote can really become a source of cross-contamination. Yes. We think about cutting boards. We think about counters. We think about cleaning those. But we often don't think about cleaning our screens and cleaning our handhelds. Yeah. So that was one that could well lead to a foodborne illness yeah. if you're moving back and forth. So mm-hmm. just encouraging you to use a screen-safe wipe. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. on your, you know, on any screen that you use. And those are also good, I think, for your remote or anything else because that remote can be handled by a lot of people, not just the cook. That's yeah. a very good point. So. That's probably one of my other weaknesses is I do the hand washing at what I consider those sort of what you would consider those critical points. Right. You know, again, before and after I handle meat mm-hmm. or if I'm changing from meat to vegetables or, or whatever, and I'm good about separate cutting boards and wiping down the counters. Yeah. But I probably don't wash my hands at every juncture that I should. Right. You know, again, whether it's touching an iPad to look at a recipe or, mm-hmm. or fingering through a cookbook, you know, right. like you're like, or, you know, just the stops that we all have. Yeah. You know. I know a lot of people look at recipes on an iPad or something like that. And what happens is they have their, if they don't use special apps like I have, right. it, it goes to screensaver, right? right? So you have to keep pushing the screen to keep it from going to screensaver. Right. So yeah, there's a big risk for cross-contamination. I have a, I have a solution for that. An app I use, I recommend, is called Paprika. And when you're looking at a recipe in that app, mm-hmm. it doesn't go to screensaver mode. It stays there. It stays on. That's nice. So you just have to remember to shut it down when you're done looking at your recipes so you save your battery. But 
That's it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I had never heard of that, Laura. That's great. <laughs> Paprika. It is the it's only, not just a seasoning anymore. It's not. Yeah. It's it's the only app I've ever paid for. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a great and that's a great tip. Yeah. So um, let me ask you this, both of you. Do you have pets? Yes. I do. What what kind of pets do you have? I have two lovely rescue dogs. Okay. I have two rescue cats. (laughs) Yes. That are brothers. And I no longer have pets at home. So those questions weren't top of mind for me. But they certainly were for the people that I asked and certainly for the health inspector. Sure. Yeah, that definitely doesn't pass a health inspection, does it? Well, um, the one said, what what should I say to my aunt? They like to fork feed their (gasps) dog. With under the table from their plate. (laughs) I was just like, well, okay. Talk about the opportunity for cross-contamination. But, you know, Bob and Gina said it's interesting because we don't consider pets pets. We almost consider them guests these days right you know and in and, and when you invite relatives and they bring their pets uh-huh. right uh-huh. so they said just encourage them not to use that fork for anybody else right themselves what they do with their pet under the table is up to them um, right. we're here to inspect your kitchen not to judge your guests so i yeah. thought that was a good answer even right. though it was one that kind of made me cringe right yeah. do you have any tips for like if somebody is helping you in the kitchen to encourage more hand washing I mean, if you know you're doing it right, right, but you see them maybe handling something that they shouldn't be, yeah. how do you say that nicely? Here's one thing that, that I might suggest. Have gloves handy and use it as a, well, I don't want you to get anything on your outfit. You know what I mean? Or maybe, um, you know, you don't want to, this is, we got a lot going on here. So that give them gloves so that. And granted, you should wash your hands for that as well, but it's like one extra step and you're not necessarily questioning their sanitation habits. So uh, that, right. that might be one. And the other hmm. thing to think about is, you know, this is the time of year where a lot of colds and flus yes. are spread, yeah. right? So yeah. we're indoors more and there's a conglomeration of people. So especially if someone's coming and they've got a kid with a runny nose, you know, you want to watch out for that because we're all so busy that... Those are the things that might get spread quickly because you're just not paying attention to it because you've got so many other things going on as well. So hand washing is more important this time of year, but it's almost less likely to happen because of everything else that's going on. So I would offer gloves yeah. just as an idea. Okay. Very good. What would you maybe tell people that they wouldn't want to eat at Thanksgiving? <laughs> what would the, the, the food inspectors say? <laughs> well, here's, here's a funny one I got. So my knife skills aren't that great. So I was paring apples for the oh, no. apple pie, <laughs> and I paired a little bit of skin oh, along with that. <laughs> um, what would you think? And I really thought the inspectors would go, ah, and they said, well, are they going to cook that pie? And I said, well, of course. Right. And they said, so they get a little extra fiber. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Because from a, from a pure food safety perspective, right. if the pie is cooked to the appropriate temperature, it would not add a food safety risk of germs. Okay. okay. But I wouldn't tell people because it what? might make them gag a little bit or choose the chocolate pie instead of the apple or something right. like that. Yeah. So that, that was one thing they didn't want them to eat. Huh. huh. What other things do inspectors tend to look for? Well, the big one, and it's not surprising that people didn't bring it up, but we're really, all of us who are involved in food safety, want to encourage people not to rinse and wash their turkey. 
I didn't know that was a thing. It's people a do that? huge I know. thing. Right. Interesting. It's a huge I, thing. We're just taught not to do it. Right. So right. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. And it's the reason why thing. is poultry, you know, about 20% just is contaminated with maybe salmonella, you know, one of the other organisms. And so when you rinse it, and they've actually done a study mm-hmm. that shows how it splashes. It's hard to rinse a big turkey in your kitchen without the water splashing everywhere. So you're really contaminating the rest of your kitchen and for no good purpose because if there is an organism in that turkey Uh that is unsafe, by cooking it, you will render it safe to eat. There's no benefit to washing your turkey and there's actually creates more risk by doing so. Interesting. So I went on and looked at, because it's a big time of year for the Butterbell Turkey Hotline, right? Yes. And I got a question from somebody, and I was writing this blog about um, food safety for Thanksgiving. So I wanted to check what I would consider the expert. So I was shocked when I went on there, and I was looking up brining a turkey, and it recommended rinsing the turkey before brining it. I'm like, this is not right. Butterball cannot have this on their website, right? So I wrote them a note, because, you know, there's there's a place right to do that. And I got an answer within 24 hours, and it says, we don't recommend rinsing or washing your turkey. (laughs) So I sent them the screenshot, and I said, well, it does say that here. And to their credit, again, within 24 hours, I got a response, and they thanked me for pointing that out. They said they'll get their website corrected. But a week later, I want to let you know it's still up there. But I know how it is with big organizations that, you know, it might take a while to take that page down. So do not wash or rinse your turkey. That would be the one thing the health inspectors would want you to know and that I would want you to know as well. And I see that a lot. I think where a lot of it comes from is recipes. Mm -hmm. Recipes that you read online will tell you to rinse. You have all these bloggers these days. Anybody can write a recipe right. And if they were taught to rinse their chicken or turkey, then that's what they include in the recipe maybe right i don't know speaking of the the turkey when should people start thawing we are now about four days away from thanksgiving when this launches it'll be about three days from thanksgiving when should people get that turkey out of the deep freeze one of the quick uh, hints that i learned was 24 hours for every four pounds Okay. So, you know, that to me is, is a simple rule of thumb to remember. Mm-hmm. You've got a 12-pound turkey, right? Mm-hmm. So what is that, four days? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three, three days, yeah, three days. Probably. Three days? Yeah. <laughs> Do the math. Yeah. yeah, I've got a 22-pound turkey. You have a 22-pound turkey. So is yours turkey. already thawing? Yes. Oh, yes. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And to thaw it in the refrigerator. That's the yes. safe way to do it. On if the something bottom happens, shelf, right? Yes, on the bottom yeah. shelf so that the juice it, doesn't. The juices, yeah. yeah. And, and it's good to have a liner underneath that. Yeah. But don't panic. If something happens, maybe somebody else is bringing the turkey and they show up with the frozen turkey the morning <laughs> of. You can cook a turkey from frozen. Okay. Which is much better than trying to thaw it you know, under running water because it brings up that whole splash, whatever issue. And I actually found some great instructions in Williams-Sonoma that said, here's how to cook a turkey from frozen. It's going to take a little longer, but you can do it. You can put it in the oven. You can kind of forget about it, and you don't have to panic and worry about how am I going to get this turkey defrosted in time, you know, to yeah. get it to my guests? We'll yeah. include that link in our show notes. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. So in case somebody does show up on Thursday, that's a great mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. And then we, of course, I think know to check temperatures. And, of course, sometimes turkeys come with a, a thermometer uh-huh. in them. What would you recommend in terms of checking those temperatures? Use a good food thermometer. All right. Mm-hmm. Actually, I brought the one that I recommend to the interview with these inspectors. And... 
Bob had it when we left. He wanted it for home because they're yes. cooking Thanksgiving dinner. And depending on where you check it, uh-huh. it's a different temperature, but 180 in the thigh, 170 in the breast. And if you're cooking stuffing mm-hmm. in your turkey, it's going to take a little longer to cook. Okay, it's better to cook it separately, mm-hmm. but make sure you get the thermometer all the way into that stuffing, and that needs to be at least 165 mm-hmm. um, in the middle of the turkey. So those are the temperatures that I would recommend. What is your feeling on stuffing turkeys? Because I've heard uh, different different um, yes. resources say it's just not a safe practice. Um, obviously, if it's making it to temperature, is that considered a safe practice? What are your thoughts? If it makes it to temperature, it's safe practice. But the challenge is it takes longer. Okay. Yeah. And and people often aren't when you asked about the little insert thermometer, mm-hmm. that doesn't check the inside of the yeah. stuffing. So Interesting. I yeah. think it's just easier to monitor the safety and the temperature if you cook it separately. It might be moister if you cook it inside. That's one uh-huh. of the things that I hear cooks say. Yes. So if that's your practice, just make sure you give yourself enough time and check the internal temperature of that stuffing, of stuffing. before you take that turkey out to serve it. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We all serve, you know, sometimes serve family style at Thanksgiving, but a lot of all people also do potlucks. Do you have any tips for potlucks? <laughs> the major tip for potluck is keep the food hot. Yes. Uh-huh. And don't let it sit at room temperature for more than two hours. Mm-hmm. Yes. If I have to yep. say one tip for potluck, <laughs> that would be my food safety recommendation. So we had a Friendsgiving last night, and that was the thing I could tell the, the sister of the host and I were both looking at our, <laughs> our watches, and at one hour, 55 minutes, we began to clean up because I was uncomfortable. She was uncomfortable with right. it out for more than two hours. So I knew I couldn't enjoy myself if I was watching that food sit out for right. longer, and the host, of course, was very busy doing right. other things. So we kind of we, we started working on this mm-hmm. together and putting things things away and we both I think had a better time after things were put away yeah that's yeah. wonderful I think I should have you at my house yeah <laughs> got real nervous. I'll let you be the food monitor <laughs> I mean of course we are all together at this time of year and people come sometimes sick or yeah. they come with sick children yeah. do you have any tips if you see you know noses being wiped or, or things like that that sort of give you the watch what they bring and maybe just pass on that and eat more or something right <laughs> my kids were little and you know you had a lot of little kids around it'd be like okay it's almost time for dinner let's go wash our hands and you know just make that announcement so that and kind of say everybody needs to go wash their hands yeah thoughts on putting hand sanitizer out versus washing hands oh well I think both are good right it's not like one or the other Mm -hmm. if you can actually see or feel something on your hands and you need soap and water Uh but if it's just a question of I need to sanitize in between step A and step B hand sanitizer is fine that's a great idea yeah Yeah. so physically soiled wash them with soap and water but if you're just doing a sanitation you can use right. the sanitizer it reminds me of when we were on a cruise I mean oh, right yeah. into the dining rooms was hand sanitizer that's true. and I thought that's a great idea because it it's a, a way to, that they can help control things I mean you can't have complete control but you can help with control yeah. of those those foodborne illnesses so Awesome. I'm going to have to get some hand sanitizer. I think I, think I, I have too. the little individual ones, but I need to have some uh, for, for guests. Yeah. yeah. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, do you have any other great tips for Thanksgiving? Anything that you would recommend? Actually, what I'm interested in is the white versus the dark meat <laughs> oh, debate. Okay. So, let's talk about that. All so, right. Let's we see. are going to set up in our normal debate format. We have yep. three minutes, although I don't know if I have three minutes. Maybe I do. We'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure. I will. 
We'll just ring the bell when we're done. That's right. Are you going to start the timer? I will start the timer. So I will start. I will do the white meat. Okay. All right. Start. Are you okay. ready? Okay. I'm ready. Go. And then you chime in anytime, Mary Angela. Okay. Um, <laughs> so health advocates have always sort of talked about white meat as sort of being the holy grail of nutrition when mm-hmm. it comes to chicken or other poultry, including turkey. And again, I think probably because of its sort of like lower calorie content, people mm-hmm. assume again that that's a healthier choice. But interestingly, the differences are really small between white and dark meat. Of course, white meat is going to be found in the breast, breast tenderloin, and wings. But in terms of calorie content, things are not really that different. So for example, one uh, roasted breast meat has about 4 grams of fat. 1.1 grams of those are saturated fat. But again, while it's lower in fat than dark meat, it also has some drawbacks. It can end up being a little bit drier when it's cooked. And again, not necessarily a hugely different um, nutritional profile in terms of Mm -hmm. between white and dark meat. So I think people should eat what they enjoy. And maybe that's kind of the takeaway. If you like the taste of white meat, go for it. If that doesn't appeal to you, then you should go with what you enjoy. Mm -hmm. And that's all I have. I okay. knew I didn't have three minutes on it. You're, you're good. You're good. That's okay. Well, I'll go ahead and start. Start your, yeah, start okay, your time. Okay, so I've got dark meat. Um, so basically, I, I actually found some interesting information. I thought maybe I'll just p- pass that along. Dark cuts like drumsticks and thighs, they're, they're different muscles that, than the muscle that's in the breast meat. So that, that's part of the difference of the dryness you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, the dark cuts, the drumsticks and thighs are used to help the animal stay up and walk. And, you know, they're required for long work, sustainable periods of time. Versus breast and wings, they just do short bursts of energy. So they have, like, flapping their wings. So they have a different kind of muscle. And so when these different muscles are used, dark meat come from muscles that use more oxygen and have more iron. The iron is held in a protein called myoglobin, which gives it the darker color. White cuts come from muscles that metabolize energy with less oxygen, so they have less myoglobin, and that's why they're lighter in color, which I thought that was kind of interesting. So it's the difference in how the iron is. Correct, correct. So the dark meat will have more fat, but much of this comes because there's fat in between the muscles, where the chicken breast is almost one big muscle. The, the, the thigh and the drumstick have like these layered muscles, and that's why it has more fat than the white meat. All chicken, like you said, is a good source of protein, niacin, B6, biotin, and vitamin B12. There's a slight difference between white and dark meats, but nothing significant. The dark meat, of course, does have a little more iron because of what I just talked about with the, the myoglobin. Dark meats have a little stronger flavor because of the increased flat, fat in that, that cut of meat. And additionally, they tend to be juicier. White meat tends to be milder in flavor. So white meat might be able to take on the flavor of whatever you're cooking, too. You know, again, like Amy said, it's kind of what what sounds good to you. The white meat does have a little bit less calories, like you said, and a little less fat. Uh, Let's see here. I'm almost out of time. Oh, my goodness. Um, Okay, so yeah, for an ounce of turkey breast, it has 46 calories and one gram of fat compared to 50 calories and two grams of fat for the thigh. 
So really, what are we talking about here, right? right? When it really comes down to, that's what surprised me the most is there's not a huge amount of difference in the calories. Right. Now, the big difference is in the saturated fat. So we do have to worry about that for somebody that has heart disease. But I'm out of time. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think, again, it's a preference issue. I was surprised to see that the nutritional differences were not that great because I've always felt sort of guilty when I select, you know, a a dark meat chicken or a dark meat turkey because I prefer the flavor Mm -hmm. of that. But now I think I understand why I prefer the flavor of because it is a little bit more satisfying Mm -hmm. than the white meat. But again, I think people should choose what they enjoy eating. And I think another thing is... I wonder if the big difference is a lot of people who are eating the dark meat tend to like the skin on. Yes. That's probably the big difference. That is a huge difference. When you leave the skin on, what what we were talking about in terms of calories was without the skin in both cases. Right. So, yeah, if you're choosing a part of the the turkey or the chicken that has skin on it and you Mm -hmm. eat that skin, then the calorie differences become much more pronounced. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Yeah. For Thanksgiving, enjoy whatever cut of meat you want. Yes. And we don't have to all fight over the... I don't know. Does your family thigh, fight over thighs or breasts? <laughs> like, you know, I, I found it a generational thing. That, okay. That the younger people are so much used or so familiar with buying those skinless, boneless chicken breasts that they almost don't know what to do when they see a whole turkey right. intact. So it's great. They can go for the breast, and I can have the juicy piece right. that I like. Right. So it's more of a generational issue rather than a nutritional issue. But yeah. to me, there's nothing that beats, you know, the smell of that turkey yeah. roasting oh, in the no. oven. So and I'll eat any piece of it. That. Yeah. Yes. But that's so... I'm going to have a different Thanksgiving this year. I'm going to try some dark meat. Absolutely. Absolutely. We thank you again, Mary Angela, for being with us. You are always a delight and just (laughs) always so informative. I, again, feel like I learn something every time that we get together. Absolutely. And have taken some some other really good tips away. If you missed Mary Angela's first visit with us, go back to Tailgate Tips with Man versus Germ, which was a couple of podcasts ago. So please visit that. I'll put it on this show notes. Yeah, that's a, that was yeah. a really also informed. We're not quite done with football season yet and tailgating, right. although it's getting a little bit cold to really enjoy <laughs> it. You know, I think those, again, those tips are also very, very helpful when you're feeding a crowd. We appreciate you listening today. And of course, you can visit us at our website, www.secretliferd.com. You can also visit us on Instagram at The Secret Life Dietitians. You can visit us on Twitter also at The Secret Life Dietitians, at T Dietitians on Twitter. We will also put those links on our website and our show notes in case you didn't have a chance to take notes. Uh, if you have show ideas, we love to hear them at dish at secretliferd.com. And we look forward to talking to you next time wherever you get your podcasts.